Hey, welcome to another episode of Power Athlete Radio, Performance for the People. We have been the premier podcast in strength and conditioning for so long. I don't even know if we need to say it anymore, but I feel like we've grown. We've outgrown just being a podcast about strength and conditioning. We've definitely grown past strength and conditioning, ing, ing. We don't even do that anymore. But this has become a podcast for the people to help with performance. And performance can be couched as anything. I mean, you could talk about physical performance, mental performance, emotional performance, which I bet, I bet you both of us need greater emotional performance. Oh, yeah. I'm underperforming emotionally. <laughs> big time. Uh, I can concede that. You what? know, when I was doing your performance <laughs> reviews, the one thing I really noticed is that you're underperforming on the emotional side of performance. Yeah, it's not my fault. Whose fault is it then? I don't know. You can't blame your parents for everything. No. The, I mean, is it Nana McQuilkin's job who... She's an inspiration. Yeah, but she, she's the one that taught you to drive 15 under the speed limit. Yeah, but so many good quotes. Uh, that's true. She's like a plethora, like a machine gun of quotes. Yeah, it's, it's about connection, not perfection, John. But she never taught anybody to squat, so... Mm. Well, you're underperforming. You're, you're overperforming in other ways. So technically, you're pulling up a little bit, if, if the law of averages is true. You mean CrossFit? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, we don't want to be the best at mediocrity. Well, yeah, I got to up my emotional 1RM, which is what we're getting into today, John. Oh, that was an excellent segment, Mr. McQuilkin. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the hotline is hot. So we have this thing called Power Athlete Hotline. If you guys are interested in reaching out to the hotline and want to drop us a little message, uh, you can also send text messages. I you have received s- photos. What so about photos? I've received them. Uh, Please stop. A- <laughs> I heard you get a lot of foot photos. Is that true? Yeah, mostly from Charles, but hey. <laughs> well, you know, I uh, I don't know whose feet they are. Uh, the weirder thing is, I can't believe Charles started his OnlyFans just of nothing but his hairy feet. <laughs> yeah, it's and, called at Hobbits, and, and that weird mole you have on your foot—that probably is worth that, that's a hundred million dollar mole. Yeah, well, I mean that. Yeah, yeah. What's the hotline number? <laughs> I got you speechless, motherfucker. I love it. So we got this in called the Power Athlete Hotline, 929-464-464. 929-ing-ing. Zero. That is the Power Athlete Hotline. If you have questions, you want to drop us a text, you want to send us some pictures, uh, I'm pretty sure you can even send smoke signals and we'll get those. So it's on WhatsApp, so it's easy to get a hold of. Just leave us a message and we will answer. So I'm going to ask Mr. McQuilkin to fire up the hotline and pull us out a burner. Well, here we are in August. It's high school football season. We have a coach that needs our help. Did you remember to bring your cape? I'm not seeing it on there, but maybe it's invisible. I'm not there. a cape guy. Eh, you're kind of a homelander. The, uh, yeah, I mean, he's got it going on. It's good head of hair for that actor. Anyway, the, okay, so coach here, he's taking over training for a high school football program. Mm. So he's not starting this program from zero. He's taking over a program, and his objective is to apply the power athlete methodology within the training program, but he's faced. Smart some challenges Hmm. here is the question you ready yeah no i'm I'm fired up i'm locked and loaded all right he didn't leave a name but anyway taking over a high school strength and conditioning program that is primarily one rm testing and then using percentages for the training program i'm familiar with it (laughs) sounds a lot like my high school i'm going to start bedrock for my team immediately what is a good starting point based off their previous 1RMs to get going on the 3x5 bedrock linear progression? 
So the basic linear progression only works if technique is executed properly. And I am bet without seeing video, with just listening to the question, having a ton of experience in this field, that the execution of the basic movements they're probably testing, which looks like a bench, a squat, a deadlift, and maybe an overhead press. Probably a power clean in there. Yeah, probably a power clean. So we're going to probably pick maybe five or six movements. Um, is anything short of awful, uh, <laughs> as we would like to refer to it as uh, dog shit. Or heinous. So, ah, man, we have quote seen so many high schools that we've gone into and worked with their athletes and seen these kids lift weights poorly. Yeah. And it's not their fault. The problem is, is that they're being instructed improperly and the coaches are not taking attention to detail. They're letting ego get first, opposed from realizing that their job is to teach the kids to go to, from point A to point B and back, executing full ranges of motion movements with perfect execution. Now, nothing in that statement uh, attached to weight or percentages or whatnot. And we do this when we go in. I just want to see you squat well. It could be with an empty bar. It could be with just air squats. Uh, it might be 225, might be 300, might be 1,000, whatever it is. I just want you to see you squat well. So that's why we've always said the strongest people in the world start with just a bar on their back. So we'll ask you to do 10 squats, and then we'll start adding weight to the bar. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to, you know, the linear progressions can be three sets of five, 15 total reps for that movement in that given day. Um, and we'll start working up. Let's say they hit the bar, and then, you know, you want to slap on uh, 45s, 135. And then they decide to go 185. And as we start going up and they're executing sets of five, I stop them when all of a sudden it starts to look shaky. Now, if 135 looks shaky, then we need to go back to 95 and we need to get five quality reps. We only add weight as long as the quality reps, and I'm just talking about on day one. Yep. Once we get to the quality reps. Now, all of a sudden, they, let's say they go 135 and they can execute five reps that look pretty good. Excellent. Let's stay there and see if they can get another set of five and execute five perfect reps. And if they can do it, we'll rest them and get a third set. And that becomes our starting point. So the starting point, it's not going to be dictated off a of percentage. It's not going to be dictated off of weight. It's not going to be dictated if you had a fucking Ouija board or a magic eight ball or you a seance or whatever shitty spreadsheet that the coach from last year gave you. It's going to be predicated on your athlete's ability to move through full range of motion movements with proficiency and excellence. So from that, we start light. We give them a great chance. And we ask them to execute five reps, and it looks good. And if it looks good, we can continue to go. If it doesn't, that becomes our starting point. The next time they come in, they're going to add five pounds to the bar. And they're going to give me five more reps, and then rest five more, and then another set of five. And they're going to keep doing that. They're going to keep adding weight to the bar until they can no longer add weight to the bar, at which point they're going to get a failure, and we're going to take a big step back. We're going to drop it 20 or 30 pounds, and we're going to start it up and do it all over again. So... Uh, I know the exact program you're talking about because I had that in high school. Very first day we went into weight room, what do we do? We all maxed out on lifts. I benched 115 pounds. Uh, my working weights were at like 85 or 90. And within two weeks, I was benching 135 for reps. We just maxed out every single day. I mean, the squat was the same. There was no understanding of, hey, the reason we're lifting weights is that we're trying to get you stronger through full ranges of motion movements. We were just trying to get stronger because we didn't want to get made fun of or have the older dudes beat us up. So I think if you can remove uh, one, the, you know, the one RM testing, which is just a terrible idea. And the reason being is to officially, officially or efficiently lift a one RM, you need a few things. One of them is an extremely well-trained nervous system that understands inter and intramuscular coordination, which means that the whole body 
and all the motor units within each muscle are working together to do one maximal lift. The only way you get that is through opportunity and experience. So asking an individual that's never lifted weights to get their whole body in concert to execute one movement is uh, insanity. And it's just not an understanding of physiology. Yeah. So on on top of that experience that you speak of, there's also hormones and testosterone. And we're talking about high school kids, whether they're a freshman or a senior and everything in between, hormones are up, down, and around. So where testosterone can benefit the older, more experienced lifter and help get that true one RM, this one won't be a true representation of their abilities, which then negatively affects the program that you print out. Well, the reason being is that the only way you get good at one RMs is by training one RMs. Mm -hmm. And you have to do that at a certain point, which you've already done the work to get there. So it's just, uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, the age old analogy of like, I want to build my, my city to the, to the sky, but I'm going to detonate a nuclear bomb on it every single day. It just doesn't make sense. They don't go together. And I think it's a poor understanding of physiology and a poor understanding of training young athletes by one, asking them to lift a one RM their first day and then basing a percentage. Now, those percentages that most people have are based off of Prilipin's chart. That's the next thing I was going to get. Which is going to Excellent be dictated point. off. And it was, um, it was a study done on advanced Olympic lifters in Russia that were mm-hmm. probably taking some form of drugs. Um, it's been used by the West Side guys. We have, I mean, still one of our most searched articles is the review we did of it. But it's based around a set of reps associated with a percentage. Now, you have to remember those are highly advanced lifters. So they're going to be at the top of the genetic food chain. Um, this isn't for you. And we've actually done our, our own versions of Prilipin's table when we were at Balboa. And, uh, you know, it was nothing to see somebody who was relatively unadapted be able to squat, you know, 10, 12, 14, 15 reps with 80% of their 1RMs, which doesn't even exist within a Prilipin's table. So the bigger issue came because there was so much variation between the athletes uh, that had to do look like hormones that looked like had to do with physiology, training experience, technique, execution, limitations. I mean, there were thousands of variables. Mm-hmm. So what we did is we just threw the percentages out and I started asking people, Hey, I want you to lift five good reps. If you can lift five good reps. I want you to rest and do it again. And then I want you to rest and do it again. That's going to be day one. The next time we come in, we're going to add five pounds to the bar. And what we'd hear all too loud is this feels easy. And I tell them, I hope it feels easy forever. Because eventually with a basic linear progression, it's going to get heavy yeah. on a long enough timeline. And then once it's going to get heavy, you're going to need all of that quality work on the backside that allows you to continue to accelerate through that plateau. And more importantly, that big sticking point. And if you get into a failure, perfect. We're going to take a step back. And we're going to allow you to get another run at it again. And there was a, like a weird feeling that like somehow failing at the weight was a loss. It wasn't. All that happened is we pushed the envelope as far as we needed. Now we got to take a big step back and try to get a longer run to try to clear that, uh, that ravine. So um, that program, that basic linear progression that we implemented that first year, I mean, for many years within the original CrossFit football template for the amateur and that we still use on bedrock, is by far the single most demanding program we've ever written. And mm-hmm. the reason being is we have effectively set the reps and the volume for the day uh, in terms of like, you know, 15 reps. Uh, but the fact that we're doing a linear progression in terms of tonnage is where things get really interesting because we're going to keep adding weight to that bar. Yeah. And the, the real challenge that our, our coaches is facing here he understands, okay, that program, I'm not going to do one RMs. That percentage-based program was the wrong one for this age group. Sure. 
I now have to take that away and change the program. So when doing that, what you can't do, you can't punish the athletes for buying into the previous program. There are dudes that got hella strong on it just because. Well, um, I mean, a blind squirrel finds a nut. I mean, uh, so saying that a few guys got strong, I think what he has to do is change the narrative for the kids, the parents, and the coaches. That's what we're getting at. And what he tells them, and what I've always said to these coaches is, you just steer the the coach away from 1RMs and you're like, hey, I know we've tested 1RMs in the past. I'm more interested in testing fives. And when they ask fives, all you sell them is the average football play is anywhere from five to seven and maybe even 10 seconds. Um, I am more interested in what they can do for five reps because the one rep is not reminiscent of anything with the time domain within football. So five reps could take an athlete anywhere from, you know, five, seven, 10 seconds to be able to execute. I'm more interested in them giving me that five reps as a greater indication of their ability to generate strength in terms of the time domain of a football play. And that's why we're going to test fives instead of ones. We're still doing rep maxes. We're just changing the rep so that it's more specific to the time domains of football. And that little piece that I've uh, given many, many times to coaches that have uh, gone into this same fight ends up being accepted very easily because they think, because it makes sense. And what we're doing is we're really, we're getting away from 1RMs. We're getting back to rep maxes, which are a greater indicator of going to be strength for those football players and allows us to just build strength and not just test strength. And another challenge he's going to face, which we deep dive in the Power Athlete Methodology, academy.powerathletehq.com is he will change the setup and the execution of the squat to now a more toes-forward, athletic Mm -hmm. position, power-athlete squat. Sure. So you had these kids that were strong, got very strong on this program. They were tops of the leaderboard, if you have a leaderboard in there, and now you're going to change their technique. It's going to, quote, feel weird, but I'm not as strong. He's going to get a number of excuses, and that's the biggest buy-in fight he's going to face from the kids that are already strong. Yeah, the man, there's such a weird thing with like there's uh, some like I, I've never seen the equation, and I've never seen it play out in football. I mean, obviously, stronger people tend to do better in sports, especially playing football. But that strength is only as good as people that can harness it. Mm-hmm. It's like you know the power of the sun's great, but if you don't be able to you know harness the power of the sun, how useful is it? Same thing in football. Uh, you can be as strong as you, as you want to be, but if that strength is not used meaningful and you can't actually access that strength, then it becomes useless and becomes a hindrance. So what we're looking at doing is training athletes in such a way that they're able to take the strength that they garner in the weight room and translate it onto the field. And the reason they're able to is that the positions, the posture, the balance, uh, all the intangibles associated, all the things that we're developing under the barbell translates on the field. We're not going to ask somebody to squat in such a way that doesn't, you know, happen within the confines of their sport. Yeah. And we focus on three points. The first is the setup. So it's similar to the athletic position that a linebacker is going to set up in there. And that allows us to optimize our transfer, not only for that starting position, that ready position, whether it's O-line, linebacker, it's also the proper leg position and alignment for a change of direction. If we are going to hard plant cut, we want that toes forward, knee over the arch, the instep. step. So it's that setup. Then there's the execution. 
So everything that our muscles are doing, when we go to change direction, tackle, take on force, we have to reduce, we have to load, similar to us, our descending in a squat. And then we got to redirect it with a lot of pop and a lot of power. And that force is the final component. As John spoke to, that five to 10 seconds, we need our athletes to express, not a slow, grinding, 1RM that we can mark, check, yes or no, that doesn't show up on the field. No, their expression of the movement needs to be representative, and that's how it's going to accelerate and better benefit the transfer to the field. Yep. So it's not what you can do, it's how you can do it. Sure. And the execution. Mm -hmm. I mean, the persistent pursuit of perfection. I know how much you love three Ps. (laughs) But that ability to execute those movements and move through full ranges of motion. I mean, the kid we've been working with recently, um, who's been coming in on Fridays, uh, you know, I mean, the fact that he was stuck about an inch or two below parallel and then just teaching him a little thing about putting his big toe on the ground, driving the knee out, getting the glutes involved, opening up the hips. All of a sudden now he's hitting below parallel and so much faster in that accentuation phase, which is going to translate extremely big on the field. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, just being able to coach that technique. And I don't even think, I mean, I don't even think we asked him day one how much you lift. Maybe you did. No. I didn't. No. I was just care. interested. Hey, put 135 on and we're going to do it until it looks good. And then we're going to start at that point. Every time he comes in, we're just going to keep adding weight to the bar because I'm more interested in him moving from point A to point B and then back well. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm like, I couldn't even tell you what was on the bar. I just need to know that he's moving well underneath load. Yeah. And that, and that was an important thing. And we addressed with the athlete that we're working with and aiming to help improve his social intelligence in the weight room, set up execution. Like he acts and looks like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. But as this coach goes into the weight room, don't ask your kids what they lifted. What was your one RM? So get away from that numbers culture. We don't want these kids to be defined as their 1RM. Think about what position do they play? What technique? And start to bring the game into the weight room. How are your sport coaches asking you to set up in this? So it moves away from the numbers and the things that they valued before. And it's more to set up execution technique, which then if that's the focus in the weight room, just as it should be on the practice field. Sure. It starts to show up in games. Yeah. Um, uh, dude, it's, uh, I mean, th- this is a conversation we've had for a number of years. And continue to. There's never a time to stomp out a bad myth. I mean, I, I think we've, we've done this. Um, I mean, people still do this. I mean, people have made entire careers out of this on, uh, on social media in terms of diet. You know, the idea that, uh, you know, the insulin paradox or the idea that, you know, somehow uh, hormonally you can't lose weight. I mean, there's really interesting things that we've kind of got into that people believe, like my other favorite one is uh, red meat's bad, that somehow saturated fat is connected to heart disease. And, um, you know, I mean, all of these preconceived notions are these canned ideas that have been disproven, but yet society- For more on that, listen to our previous episode, yeah. 636 with Dr. Kate Shanahan. That we were, that I'm pulling from. Um, but there's these persistent myths that just won't die regardless of how much. And I think it's because people want them to believe or they want to believe them. They want them to be true regardless of what they're taught. And I think uh, for the strength conditioning crowd, especially in high schools, there's this kind of monkey see monkey do. And, you know, the idea that somehow a one rep max is uh, this great tester of strength. And I think it really comes back to high school football coaches wanting to go through a spreadsheet and see these numbers. Yes. 
Um, for me, I'm more interested in, uh, you know, this reason that, you know, we've really pioneered this idea of Retmaxes and have for a number of years was because it was more interesting for me to see what I could do for five heavy reps than it was could do for one rep. Uh, you know, I mean, I got away from that years ago. And why? Like I said, the time domains were more similar to what I was doing on the field. There was very few times that I just shot my hands one time. Every time, you know, let's say I'm, pat, uh, I'm playing offensive line and the guy goes to pass rush, there's always going to be about five meaningful strikes. I'm going to hit the guy once. He's going to throw a move. I'm going to hit him again. And it was about four or five different collisions that were going to take place on every deal. Mm -hmm. if, if I only got good at just lunging and throwing my hands one time on a 1RM, it wasn't going to be representative of what I saw on the field. Well, that replication of speed, replication of abilities, that's what separates the good from the great, that you're able to be consistent in this. And going back to Bill Walsh, coach of the, the San Francisco 49ers, what he would ask for, show me the guy that can jump 10 feet one time, and I will will him to replicate it. I don't want the guy that can jump one foot 10 times. So he wanted this ability from his strength and conditioning staff, and then he, as a coach, would will them to it. Mm -hmm. Coaches now, they're looking for easy wins. They want to jump one foot 10 times and then accept that. I don't know. What we're aiming to do with the weight room, whether it's our three sets of five, or our five sets of three with our power cleans, rep schemes change a little bit when we go to a linear progression with the power clean. It's that objective of replication of our abilities. But then our abilities maximally start to increase over time, consistency on a solid program like Bedrock. Yeah. No, man, it's, uh, it's paid dividends. I mean, we've seen a ton of kids go on, use this program, and go on and earn college scholarships. And the reason being is, if you have a little understanding of physiology and how muscle and strength is developed, this program makes a hell of a lot more sense than any other program I've seen. And I think because a lot of these coaches don't understand the S aspect of physiology, it's just really easy to be like, uh, we'll do one RMs and we'll start training at 80%. Probably because they read something that talked about, you know, uh, strength, you know, happens somewhere over 75, 80%. Um, but what we're also looking to do is create bigger, stronger athletes. We're looking to increase cross-sectional size of a muscle and allow them to be able to violently apply force. And I think when it comes down to the training stuff, um, the Bedrock program is as good a starting place as you will ever come across for a beginning athlete. So I think this coach, I give him uh, huge props for putting his ego at the door, realizing that what they were doing in the past is broken and coming in from the, you know, in from the storm into the shade and into the, you know, into the light to say, and implementing a program like Bedrock. I got a couple more points. Bring it out. Again, you cannot go in, and this is just my advice at this point, don't go full change. You yeah. can't go full sale change. They're going to start to resent and hate because- Well, that's why, that's why I gave them the narrative early on that fives are a greater indicator for the time domains that our athletes are going to be fighting within a play than a 1RM. And I think if you can explain that to a coach- he would never disagree and then would, just be like, all right, well, like, let's prove it. Let's go in and lift a 1RM. I want you to lift a heavy single. How long does it take you? Let's say two or three seconds. Now I want you to lift a, a moderate five. And even just seeing the difference between those two is going to pay dividends. Well, there's three buy-in battles that he's going to face. So we set him up for success with the sports coaching staff. And I hope he himself is a sport coach. That's going to sure. immensely benefit your whole situation. Uh, number two is the, the athletes. And number three is the parents. I'm not going to touch on the parents. Parents are going to take their kids, never be satisfied with you, and go find some private coach somewhere, and that's going to be it. That's sure. just who the parent is. Don't take it personally. Uh, but in terms of the athlete, 
it's not just the weight room. Now you have the opportunity to influence their perspective and their understanding of what you're trying to accomplish with changing the squat technique to make it more of a, a tool for transferring to the field. It's through your warm-ups. So you have one consistent opportunity every single practice, game, training session, and that's the warm-up. It's that 10 minutes of preparation that you have with your athletes. It should never be the same warm-up because athletes will then get accommodated and will no longer prepare them physiologically, mentally, anything that we wanted to do. So never the same, but you're using this as a tool to enhance their athleticism. So it's finding where each individual is weak. It's not only the assessment tool that you have every day as a coach, it's also the corrective exercise. So our pillars, our side pillars, our dead bugs, these are all tools for you to identify who's weak in the trunk. Also, I like those for mentally weak who's just going to quit and give up after 30 seconds of sure. an isometric hold. Sure. And then you get to find out who your leaders are, who's motivating and cheering on the kids. Hey, stay up. Let's go. Let's go. Things like that. And then there's the patterning. So the lunging, the stepping, the moving through space that you're going to utilize a warm up to then bring the weight room back down to that level and then create this opportunity, whether it's training, practice, or game to enhance their athleticism and level up for what they need to do on the field. Sure. We do have the tool to help you create and write your own warmups on academy.powerathletehq.com. So that's a free course. Check that out. But then we do want to push you. If social intelligence is the name of the game, getting by in with the athletes, the coaches, and then helping you coach the kids, nothing better than our Power Athlete Methodology course. It's the name of the game. And yeah, helps you apply that program. Application was our focus with the course. 100%. You will grow as a coach as your understanding of physiology increases and in how to communicate, set up, and execution to empower performance. Ask and answer. Yes. Good luck, buddy. Let us know your name and where your team is so we can follow along. Yeah. All of those high school football coaches out there that are getting their season underway, Godspeed. Good luck. Bye. Bye. Bye.